Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome on back to the One Gold Talk podcast Hayden Grove here with you joined as always by Mr. Chris Fedor and today we are in the midst of the NBA playoffs it's currently happening right now the Nuggets won the first game of the playoffs and then we have the Raptors and Nets playing currently Raptors are up 68 to 38 at this point when we were recording this podcast so not a great start for the Nets by any stretch but uh, Chris I know you've enjoyed you've been tweeting about the uh, the games I'm sure you've enjoyed them and you're going to continue to enjoy them what have you thought thus far I mean I think it's been great bud I think like the playoff intensity has been there I think you can clearly tell that there is a difference in style of play caliber of play and intensity um, once you get to the postseason even if you're not on your own home court. Um, so I think a lot of these teams that, you know, looked better in the seeding games um, or looked better throughout the course of the regular season are getting, in some ways, a crash course of what the playoffs are all about and the level of intensity that you have to play with and the level of competition that's going to increase. Um, so for people that are watching the postseason, it's just – even in a bubble, um, even though they're not on their own home court, it's another reminder about just how uh, completely different postseason basketball is from regular season or seeding games that we just watched. Yeah, absolutely. And again, that, you know, even like the play-in game with the eight on Saturday with the Blazers and Grizzlies, I mean, intense yeah. atmospheres, definitely intense atmospheres. It's, it's fun to watch for sure. There's no doubt. Um, I, I also just realized that when watching the scoreboard of this, this uh, Raptors-Nets game, there's like three minutes left and they have 68 points. Like, what are the Raptors going to score? Like 180 in this game? What <laughs> they're the gonna score, going to They're going to score as many as they want. The Raptors are great. And yeah. not enough people have been talking about them potentially getting to the NBA Finals. And look, I get it. They lost Kawhi. And when you lose a, a player the caliber of Kawhi Leonard um, and you play in Canada – um, and your leading, I guess, your your all-star caliber player is the underrated Kyle Lowry and Pascal Siakam, who was last year's most improved player, who's kind of like burst onto the scene recently. Um, you don't get as much conversation. You don't get as much notice as a team like Milwaukee that has Giannis, right? Or the Boston Celtics that have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, former top five picks, and Kemba Walker. So... Um, the Raptors probably like it this way, Hayden, but yeah. they have not named like the Clippers, 
Like, they have as good a chance as any team of getting to the finals, I think. Even better than the Lakers, in my opinion. So what are you like? Let's let's just dive into this a little bit. Like, what is your playoff thought like in the West and the East? Like, who are where? Where do you did you do did you do a predictions thing or not? No, I didn't. I did it okay. at the beginning of the year, of course, but I didn't okay. do anything like going into these playoffs. Got it. So what do you think? I mean, you know, what do you think? What is the best matchup in the first round? Where do you think some of these teams are going to end up? Give us your kind of like give us kind of like of your thesis, your playoff thesis. So here's the hard thing. Um, we just talked about how different seeding games are compared to the playoffs, just like regular seasons different compared to the playoffs. Right. I just don't know how much of what I watched with some of these teams mattered when it came to the seeding games. Like, did my eyes lie to me on problems that a team had? And I'll start specifically with the Lakers. Yeah. They looked horrible in the seeding games. I think a lot of people expected that to be the case. But there are realities with this team that showed up during the seeding games, right? They were giving minutes to Deion Waiters. They were giving minutes to J.R. Smith. They hey don't now. have a lot of depth. They don't have a lot of talent beyond LeBron and A.D. And when you have LeBron and A.D., that's going to erase a lot of mistakes. That's going to carry you very, very far. But that's a lot to ask of those two guys, especially in the Western Conference. You know, LeBron has dragged terrible teams to the NBA Finals before in a horrible Eastern Conference. Like, that's not the situation. The The best team in the NBA is out West. It's the Los Angeles Clippers, in my opinion. So the Lakers would have to get past them um, a, 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 apart from the fact that they have a really difficult first-round matchup against maybe the hottest team in the NBA and the Blazers – who have one of the most dynamic offenses in the NBA with Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, a couple of guys getting back healthy, including Nurkic. So it's just hard for me to like overlook some of the realities that I saw with the Lakers during the seeding games in this bubble. Um, At the same time, Hayden, I know LeBron and I have learned to never count him out, especially when he has a player the caliber of Anthony Davis on his side. Right. Um, so I'm having a really, really hard time trying to figure out like what I'm going to predict in the Western Conference um, because of all of those things that I just mentioned and because I think the Clippers are simply just better than the Lakers, except for the LeBron factor um, changes everything when making a prediction like this. Right. I think it's just going to be fascinating to watch. I mean, I'm excited to watch it. I'm excited to watch, you know, some of these some of these series and some of these games. I mean, you look at the Western Conference in general. There's a lot of talent out there. Yeah, a lot, a lot, a lot of talent out there. And I know the Eastern Conference has kind of taken, you know, it's it's a little bit better than it was, um, but certainly, I mean, you look at the Thunder and the Rockets, Trailblazers, Lakers, Jazz Nuggets. I mean, Clippers, Mavericks. There's a lot of talent between those teams, and uh, I'm I'm just I'm looking forward to every matchup. I mean, today Donovan Mitchell went nuts, and, and it was yep. a time game with the Nuggets. Um, you know, there's there's just so much out there in the West, especially. But I think I think the West. You're right because there's so much out there. It's just hard to it's hard to you know navigate, and it's hard to say. Okay, is LeBron going to be LeBron? Is he going to get past Lillard? You know, what's is Rondo going to come back? Is that going to help them? Um, you know, first of all, he's getting past Lillard. I'm telling you that right now. Anybody okay. picking the Blazers to win in a seven-game series against LeBron, 
Like, okay, good luck with that prediction. Well, and I get it. You, I mean, you did mention that, you know, Damian Lillard is probably one of the hottest players in the NBA right now. And the, the, the Trailblazers yes. are one of the hottest teams. And again, I'm not disagreeing with you at all. I think LeBron does get past that. So from that standpoint, it makes it a really difficult 1-8 matchup, right? right. You don't usually have 1-8s that are like that, that might go six games, seven games, something along those lines. But beating LeBron four times in seven tries is a lot different than just getting a couple of games throughout the course of a series. And then LeBron's got AD on his side. So you toss that in there. So, no, I'm sorry. Like, as much as the Blazers are a feel-good story of the bubble and Damian Lillard's incredible and the Lakers may not have anybody to guard him and, and the Blazers' offense is ridiculously good, it has been all season, it's gotten even better because Nurkic is back healthy, like, you can say all those things and then say that makes them a more dangerous eight team than a one is used to. But right. they're not beating LeBron. LeBron with AD is not going out in the first round of the playoffs. Like, we've seen this with LeBron so many times, Hayden. He gets annoyed. He talks about the team having problems going into the playoffs. He talks about how much of a burden he's going to have to carry offensively and defensively and how he doesn't want to do it, and how it's going to take a toll on him physically and mentally. And then all of a sudden, what does he do? He goes out, he straps him up, and then he does it. That's what he yep. does. He, he is a guy who changes the complexion of a series more so than anybody else in the NBA, maybe more so than anybody else in NBA history. So the Blazers are a feel-good story, but they're not beating LeBron in the first round of a playoff series. I'm sorry. It's just not going to happen. He's so not what, going out like that. What is your final four in the West? I won't make you go all the way. I'm just going to give you, like, who's going to win these first rounds? So I've got Lakers, Clippers, uh, Nuggets, and Oklahoma City, actually. That would wow. be my upset. Yeah, that's the team. The Rockets, to me, are the team that's on upset alert, especially because Russ is not going to be there for the first couple of games, maybe, um, of the series against OKC, which was going to be a hard series to begin with. Absolutely. Wow, that's a great, that's an upset special for sure. I mean, you know how nice that would be for Chris Paul? Oh, I know. That would be unbelievable. And he's been great this year, Hayden. Yep. He has yep. been underrated great. Like, he has shown that as much as a contract is bloated and he's getting older and he's got a long history of injuries, he can still be an impact player. Oklahoma City is really, really dangerous with CP3 playing at the level that he did during the regular season. Uh, I'm going to disagree with you on... I think I'm gonna go. I think I'm going to go Nuggets. Okay, that's what I said. No, you said Jazz. Or, oh, wait. No, I said Nuggets. You said Nuggets? Yeah. I thought you said Jazz. My bad. But um, but I think it's going to be, like, we saw it today, right? Yeah. In the, in the opening back, game yeah. of the series. It, it's going to be back and forth. They're very, very close. Both teams are dealing with losses. Utah doesn't have Bogdanovich. Um, Utah doesn't have Mike Conley. Didn't have Mike Conley today. Uh, yeah. Denver's without a couple of different guys because of injury. Everybody was talking about Michael Porter Jr. and how great he was and how he's going to become this star. And, and you showed um, or you saw signs of it earlier today that as much as he was great during the seeding games and he was kind of one of the stars of the bubble, it's a lot different in a playoff environment, even though it's not the typical playoff environment. 
And he was the guy that Utah targeted over and over and over again when they wanted offense. So the talent is there. The ceiling for Michael Porter Jr. is there. But I think people need to pump the brakes here a little bit when you start talking about like Kevin Durant comparisons and things along those lines and how every team that passed on him in the 2018 NBA draft made a huge mistake. I, uh, I, I wonder how long Mike Conley will have to be out. I mean, that's a significant yeah. piece because, you know, he he's missing. I mean, I think it's a legitimate. It's a great reason if there's ever going to be a reason, um, you know, for the birth of his, I think, is his son or daughter. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but he's going back to Columbus. So I, I wonder how long he'll have to be out for. I mean, it's a good question, especially when it comes to the protocols. He's getting yeah. tested constantly while being back home. Right. So maybe they can speed up the process just a little bit if they can. I, I don't know. Um, yeah. They're very, very stringent when it comes to these protocols. But you're right. That's a, that's a big loss for the Jazz. I mean, everything was Donovan Mitchell down the stretch for the Jazz. Yeah. And as great as he was today, it takes a lot to do that for a seven-game series, especially when the defense is going to change, individual defenders are going to change. It's just a lot to ask of somebody like Donovan to have to carry that kind of load. Um as good as he was, Hayden, it wasn't enough to win. Like, think right. about that. Yeah. It was all-time great, best game of his entire career, and it wasn't and enough to win. beat the Jazz. Right. So they need somebody like Mike Conley. You know, if you think about it, the Jazz, I guess, underachieved a little bit, you could say, last year. And then they went out and they brought in somebody like Mike Conley to lessen that burden on Donovan Mitchell, to bring a veteran presence, a steadying force. And... And I think it showed up not having him today, even though Donovan was great. And even though the Jazz took the Nuggets into overtime. All right. I'm going to, again, I'm going to disagree with you on the Thunder and I'm going to disagree with you, or I'm going to agree with you everywhere else, though. I think it's good. I think it goes Nuggets, Clippers, Lakers, and then the Rockets. What do you think? Um, Lakers and six, Lakers and seven, Lakers and five? Against the Trailblazers? A lot of people are saying Lakers and seven. They think it's going to go the distance. I could see Lakers and six. Yeah, I could see Lakers and six or seven. I don't think it'll be too quick a series, but I could definitely see Lakers and six or seven. But I, that's how I would go with that one. Do you think it'll Man, be quick? I don't know. So, like, there's a lot of yeah, buts, right? Yeah. So it starts with yeah, but the Lakers have LeBron. And then you can go, yeah, but um, they don't have a lot of depth behind him and Anthony Davis and a lot of unproven guys that they're probably going to be relying on throughout the course of this series. Right. Um, the guy that probably would have been defending Damian Lillard is back home. He decided not to come to the bubble in Avery Bradley. Yep. I think that's a relatively significant loss. Yep. Um, Portland's defense is Cavs bad. Seriously. <laughs> I, I know that they have better talent than the Cavs, but the defense as a whole is Cavs-level bad. Really. The Lakers are going to be able to score basically whenever they want to against a team like the Blazers. The Blazers are going to score, and they're going to try and turn it into a track meet and a high-scoring game. Well, but aren't, aren't most NBA games at this point track meets? Not <laughs> all of them. Not all of them. Not all of them. I mean, I mean, when I see when the, when the when the Raptors score almost eighty at, at the half, I mean, I don't know. Well, that's a little bit different. They're playing against right. the Nets, yep. who are yeah, without different. Kyrie Irving, Spencer Dinwiddie, Kevin Durant. Correct. I mean, they're they're playing big minutes 
to Timote Luaru Cabarro, who is their leading right. scorer at halftime. Right. So, I mean, yes. that's a little bit of a different scenario, I would right. say. The Blazers, no matter who they play, they give up 130. It just doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, they literally can't defend, and they've got absolutely no one for LeBron, and they've got no one for AD. Not a lot of teams do, but, I mean, they can't even provide resistance against those two guys. And for so, that reason, I'm going Lakers and six. My initial lean is Lakers and five, actually. Wow, okay. You, yeah. you think it's going to be quick. I just think it's a little bit more contrarian to say that, but, but I've seen teams yeah. like this go up against LeBron teams before. Yep. And I I just don't think it's going to be as competitive as people believe. As much as I, I love Dame and the way that he's playing right now is on yeah. a completely different level. All right, what do you feel about the East? Who's coming out of these first-round series? So, obviously, Raptors in a sweep against the Nets. I don't think yeah. that's overreacting to what I've seen no. from one half. I think no. that was a logical conclusion going into the series. Completely overmatched. Yeah, it's I think it's one of the easiest first round series in a long, long time for a two seed. Um, I got Bucks over Magic. It's probably five game series. The Bucks were awful during the seeding games. They just didn't look like themselves, especially on the defensive end. Right. But again, like, I don't know how much stock to put into that. Right. Like mo- a lot, a little bit like the Lakers. Like, yeah, yeah, they might have been. Yeah. So I am I totally supposed to that. ignore what I saw from the Bucks for sixty games? I think it's a little. Easy, I, I think it's a little easier to ignore LeBron. I get. Right, I think like because right. LeBron's been there and he's done it and he's right. you know he's taken breaks and he's you know he's he's played he's you know held himself back when he needs to and then when it's go time it's go time. But I haven't yeah. seen Gian, I haven't seen Giannis necessarily do that. You're right about that, and I think that's a concern that I have for the Bucks moving forward in the playoffs. But I think for this first round against Orlando, I think they'll yeah. be able to get by relatively easy. Um, Celtics-Philly, to me, is a toss-up. On one hand, the 76ers... It always seems to be a toss-up. Right, but on one hand, the 76ers are missing Ben Simmons, and that's going to hurt them, especially on the defensive end. But offensively, Philly has been okay without Ben. In fact, they've been one of the better teams. If you look at their numbers without Ben Simmons, and you extrapolate that over the course of a season, it's one of the most formidable offenses in the NBA. Um... There's going to be a lot on Joel Embiid. There's going to be a lot on Tobias Harris. But, man, I just keep going back and forth. Kemba's never been in the playoffs for Boston. I I think Boston wins close. I'll say seven-game series. Celtics get that one. And to me, Miami is superior to Indiana. So I've got the Heat and six in that one. Okay, so you got Raptors, Celtics... Uh, Rap- Raptor, Celtics, Heat, and Bucks. Bucks. Yep. All right. I mean, that's eight teams that I think you could make a case for any of them to get to the you know to where they want to go. Um, you know, with the four in the West and the four in the East. I mean, the Heat, I think I, I like the Heat a lot. I like the Heat out of the East. I don't know if I'd like them enough to win the East. Yeah. But I think that they can get past. I think they can get to the conference finals. But they've also kind of had the same problem where it's like they don't look. They haven't looked as good in the bubble. Right. And they're just, I just think in a, a playoff series, Hayden, they're a different kind of team. They're the kind yeah. of team that you don't want to play. They ground, they grind out possessions. 
they're in your jersey on the defensive end. We've seen what Jimmy Butler can do in a playoff environment. Oh, yeah. I remember some of those wars that he had against LeBron when he was with the Chicago Bulls. Bulls yeah. So having somebody like Jimmy, I don't as much as the Indiana Pacers are really team oriented, missing Sabonis is one thing, but they don't have a player like Jimmy. And, and I know some people might say Oladipo based on what he did against the Cavs in, in the playoffs a couple of years ago. But this version of Oladipo is a little bit different. He's still working his way back um, from an injury, and he just didn't look like all-star Victor Oladipo um, at any point throughout the course of this season. And I think that's to be expected, given the significant injury that he's trying to recover from. So I like Miami's tenacity, their defense, their coaching, and and Jimmy Butler is the kind of guy that the Pacers don't have in a seven-game series. Yep. I, I, I like them a lot going, you know, throughout. I mean, again, we'll see what happens. But uh, for the rest of the day today, we got 6.30 Celtics uh, against 76ers and then 9 o'clock Clippers Mavs. And then tomorrow you got the Magic and the Bucks, the Heat and the Pacers, the Thunder and the Rockets, and then the Trailblazers at the Lakers. So the Lakers will be the final of the first games of this postseason. Um, Chris, you brought this up earlier uh, before we, we started on the podcast. So I want to kind of get your thoughts on it. Because admittedly, when you said it, I was kind of like, I wonder what he means. And that's why I want to ask it. He asked you. So you said, like, we should we should discuss maybe what Cavs fans should be looking for yeah. during these NBA playoffs. And I was kind of just yeah. curious, like, are you talking about specific players? Are you talking about the scheme? Are you talking about, you know, I mean, what what is it that Cavs fans, I mean, again, not that many probably, I mean, Cavs fans probably are watching this NBA playoffs. So what should they be watching for? Well, I, I think it's more how the results are going to impact them. Okay. Um, so I would say for Cavs fans that are hoping for somebody to become available in a trade this offseason, what happens with Philadelphia here in the playoffs is really, really important. Yes. Now, the 76ers could look at it this offseason, Hayden, and they could say, hey, a big reason why we've underachieved, quote unquote, underachieved, is because of our coach, Brett Brown. So the first thing that we're going to do is make a coaching change before we decide to break up Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. They could definitely look at it that sort of way. But there are people around the NBA. We've talked about this on the podcast. I've written about this for Cleveland.com. There are many people around the NBA that feel like their most likely outcome, if they have an earlier-than-expected exit, is breaking up Embiid and Simmons because... It's it's them admitting that that combination simply doesn't work. And some combinations in the NBA, no matter how talented the two guys are, don't work. They don't blend together the way that you would think they would. Um, the other thing to pay attention to here, Hayden, is Philadelphia could potentially get more information about how a non-Ben Simmons 76ers team looks. Maybe they look at it. So let's say they beat the Celtics. Somehow, some way, they find a way to get past the Celtics without Ben Simmons. They could look at it and say, this works better without Ben. Let's build this thing around Joel Embiid and Tobias Harris and try and get some pieces that fit around those guys for Ben Simmons because we can get a big haul for him. We've seen it before when these teams are missing star players that go on deep postseason runs. And it's kind of an epiphany of, hey, we can do this without X player. You know what I mean? Yep. 
So they're a team that I think Cavs fans have to pay attention to. Um, watch Miami if you're a Cavs fan, because Miami swingman Derek James Jr. is very much on the Cavs' radar in terms of free agents. Um, the Cavs don't have a lot of money to spend in free agency. Everybody recognizes that, especially when Andre Drummond um, more than likely opts into his contract. Um, so the Cavs have the mid-level exception, which is going to be around seven, eight, nine million dollars, depending on what the salary cap is going to look like. Derek Jones Jr. is an ascending player. He had a breakout season, but Miami is in cap trouble, so they may not be able to bring him back. So how he performs in the playoffs is in some ways going to determine his value going into this offseason. Teams are looking for three and D types. Teams are looking for those versatile wings that can play the two, three, four. Um, and if he knocks down some threes um, on the heels of the regular season that he had and shows to be a competent rotation piece for the, for the heat in the postseason, like that could increase his value. I think Orlando is a team to watch. Aaron Gordon is a name that continues to get brought up in trade rumors. And Boston, because for a long time, Hayden, there's been speculation about a potential Kevin Love for Gordon Hayward deal. One bad yep. contract for another bad contract, but guys who may fit better in different um, schemes and, and in different places. Uh, so how does Gordon Hayward look for the Celtics in the postseason? Do they look at him as the key piece that they signed in free agency? Or do they say, like, maybe we would be better off with a high-priced player at power forward or a high-priced player at shooting guard or whatever the case may be? How far does Boston go? Like, a lot of this is going to be determined in terms of where these teams go this offseason. It's going to be determined based on how far they go. And some of these teams, if they don't have the playoffs that they want, are probably going to get itchy in terms of, changing up their lineups. So first of all, I want to say, you know, Derek Jones Jr. left on a stretcher the other day. He's yep. apparently doing okay with the neck strain. Yep. Um, so that's something to definitely keep an eye on. Hopefully he's healthy and, and comes back very soon. Um, but I, that, I do understand your point now. I, I, and I just, not that I didn't, I, I didn't, I thought of it that way, but I also thought like, Oh, like, are you watching because of, you know, like schematic things or anything like that. But I understand that right. for, for, for the most part, it's just watching to see, as you said, what happens with some of these, with these players. We already talked a lot about Ben Simmons and how that situation could work out. You mentioned Boston with Gordon Hayward. I mean, either way, one of those teams is going to lose, you know, it's, it's not possible for, for them to both move on because they're playing each other. So uh -huh. I think either way, if you're a Cavs fan, that's an intriguing series and you can see, you know, one way it comes out, you know, maybe Simmons and the other way, maybe it's Hayward or you yep. never know. And I think how a team plays and if a team loses, how that team loses, I think right. that ties into it as well. Is it a sweep, right? Is it a tough, hard fought seven game series where it could go either way? Right. So as much as you want to just look at the outcome and that's going to matter, how they get to that particular outcome is also going to matter. Absolutely. 100% agree. Because, look, uh, if, if the 76ers get swept by the Celtics... That's a much different thing. You're right. Yeah, absolutely. It's always about, you know, I think it's always been about how these teams play. Because, you know, if they feel like there's, 
Like I don't think the I don't think the Sixers or the Celtics would feel like it's a failure if they go to Game Seven and they both play really hard and they both you know and one team has to win. I don't think that that'll be the way they look at it. Now again, if the Sixers beat up on the Celtics, and that could be very different. Or if the Celtics, yeah. the Celtics beat up on the Sixers, I mean, you're right. You're exactly right, and that's definitely something to to keep an eye on as as you mentioned. Um, before we uh, get going on this podcast, I do want to mention as well that. Thursday is a big day for the Cavaliers. In addition to everything that you just mentioned in regards to what the Cavaliers need to do or need to be what Cavaliers fans need to be watching during the postseason, Thursday is actually a potentially, you know, franchise-changing day if you know things work out in the way that yeah. the Cavaliers in the past. So Thursday is the NBA draft lottery, and the Cavs, as per the new rules, they have the ch- highest chance of getting the number one pick along with two other teams. So, Chris, I mean, it's it's anybody's guess as to what's going to happen. The lowest they can go is sixth, I believe, Yes. Um, in the NBA draft. So uh, I'm, I'm sure they're just ready. I'm sure they're itching and, and ready to see where they're going to be picking at. Yeah, they're also waiting for clarity from the NBA on how the virtual draft lottery is going to work. Because mm-hmm. in the past, Aiden, it's some of these guys, um, these representatives from different teams go into a room much earlier than the draft lottery is broadcast. And then they find out the combination in terms of the ping pong balls. Um, That's in one location, though, usually. So I think the Cavs, like other teams around the NBA, are waiting to find out from the league how this process is going to work. Um, And they don't have a lot of answers at that point in time, at least um, based on the people that I've talked to as of earlier this morning. They haven't had answers on how it's going to work. But you're right. They know that they have an equal chance with two other teams of getting the first overall pick. They obviously want the first overall pick. Um, yeah. But I think the Cavs in the situation that they're in, Hayden, given like how much work they've done when it comes to this draft class, given team needs, all those different things, I think they'd be okay I mean, there's natural disappointment when you don't win the lottery, but I think they're okay if they pick six. And I think they feel like in this particular draft, they're going to get somebody who is not only going to help them in the short term, but is going to be another pillar of this potential rebuild. Um, so, so for Cavs fans, if they don't get number one, I, I don't think it's the end of the world. I, I don't think this is the kind of draft where it's devastating to be picking um, outside the top three, for example. Yeah, and again, it'll be it'll be fun to you know kind of dive into different situations when we do find out um, what's going to happen where where the Cavaliers are going to pick. Um, is there any update at all on on you know some of these guys that? You know, we've talked a lot about, I mean, you know, uh, probably a lot of them are not playing anywhere currently. Maybe Denny is still playing overseas. I'm not sure. Um, you know, is there any update in those regards? Because it's so hard to, like, scout and do anything with, you know, with everything happening with this coronavirus. So that's a really good point. And I think that's something that all teams are going to have to weigh, especially at the top of the draft. When's the last time LaMelo Ball played a competitive game? Think about right. it. He was no, shut yeah. down early because he had the foot injury when he was over there playing in Australia. So by the time 2020, 2021 rolls around um, for the NBA, James Wiseman might go about a year in between yeah. games. And yep. he only played three games in college. 
So yep. three games over the last, what, year and a half to two years? That's not a lot. And he missed out on a lot of development opportunities. And that's something I think that teams are going to have to weigh if they're considering him with the first overall pick or if they're considering him with a top five pick. Um, same thing when it comes to LaMelo Ball. Some of these guys, from a developmental standpoint, have been able to get more opportunities, more experience. Um, and while you kind of dismissed it at the time, now with the, the NBA looking at maybe a December start date or a March start date or whatever the case may be, like that all becomes part of the equation in a way that it probably wouldn't have been, especially for a team... Hayden, that might be looking to compete in 2020, 2021. Like some of these bad teams at the top of the draft are like, oh, you know, we're a couple of years away. We're still just looking fully at the big picture. Some of these other teams, the Golden State Warriors, by way of example, uh, the Cavs, the New York Knicks, uh, they want to compete in, in this upcoming season and, and getting somebody um, who can help them immediately that, that might be I don't want to say it's going to be the driving force, but that might play some kind of role in terms of a tiebreaker between two like prospects. Right, and that's um, that's certainly something that the war. I mean, the cow you mentioned, like kind of the, there are some bad teams down there that are just going to try to get the. But like for the Warriors, that's that's a huge, absolutely. That's a huge, that's a huge piece because you know obviously they didn't contend this year and they weren't good at all. Uh, but next year when you get Clay back, you'll have Steph back, you'll have um, right you'll have an opportunity there for sure. Yeah. So for them, it may make more sense as much as James Wiseman may be more talented. It may make sense for a team like the Warriors to go with Obi Toppin. Right. right? Somebody who played more games in college, somebody who's further along already in the developmental curve, uh, somebody who by, by many uh, measures is more quote unquote safe. Um, and, and it's something at least that the Cavs will have to consider as well, because their goal is to compete next year. Yeah. I just, it's, it's going to be crazy because again, no matter what happens, um, all these guys are kind of going to kind of be in the same boat. They're not going to have, they, yeah. they're not going to have played in a while. And, and if anything, you know, if the, even if they haven't played in a while, I mean, when's the last time they played in a really, really like meaningful game, you know, yeah. like, a, like a really, really, like a big like NCAA tournament game or something like that. I mean, it's yep. just, it's, crazy. it's crazy. And here's the other thing to consider too, Hayden. I was talking about this with somebody in the Cavs front office. Um, you can say they were wrong in, in having a workout sway them as much as it did. But we've talked about this before on the podcast. A big reason why the Cavs took Colin Sexton in 2018 is because of what he did the day after the NBA Finals loss coming to Cleveland, putting on a show, his workout was awesome, his presence lifted the entire organization that was really, really somber because they had just gotten swept by the Warriors. So he had an opportunity in person to make that kind of difference in terms of their view of him. Um, there's no guarantee that there are going to be in-person workouts here before right. the draft. Uh, executives around the NBA are hoping that it happens because the more data you have, the better decision you're going to make usually. Um, but there's no guarantee that that's going to be the case. So had Colin not have had the opportunity of an in-person workout, 
he may not be here in Cleveland. They may have gone a completely different direction. So James Wiseman, LaMelo Ball, some of these other guys may not get those same opportunities to sway these organizations and change the narrative around um, what these teams already feel about them going into this process. Yeah, even, and I, go ahead. I mean, even Zoom interviews that are happening online, it, it's not as impactful as sitting down with the guy, bringing him to your facility, seeing how he interacts with all of your different coaches and all of the different people within the organization. That stuff matters because as much as you're drafting a skill set and individual talent, you're drafting a person and that person has to be the right fit for you. And you, and I'm, I'm a big believer that you can't, I don't think, you know, it's hard enough to gauge a person after, you know, one meeting in, you know, in person, but it's a whole nother to, you know, try to gauge who a person is based on like their online, like an online zoom meeting. Like, right. I just, I don't know. I don't know how, how you'd make that work. It's tough. This was a tough draft to begin with. And it's just been made more difficult by the circumstances surrounding COVID-19. Yeah. I think everything is more difficult now, no matter what. I think that's, I think that's another reason why you hear um, a lot of uh, rumor about some of these teams that, that are drafting near the top, maybe looking to use their pick. To, to trade that pick and get a more proven commodity. Um, right. And it doesn't have to be Ben Simmons, right? Maybe it's Zach Levine. Maybe it's Buddy Heald, who is not happy with his role in Sacramento. And maybe the Kings are willing to move on from him. Or Gordon Hayward with the Boston Celtics. Um, I think a lot of teams are, are looking at it saying, uh, if we have an opportunity to package our pick, uh, and get a more proven commodity, we're probably going to explore that more so than other drafts in the past, just because of the uncertainty at the top of this thing. As I've mentioned, I'm just, I'll be happy that there's actually going to be a draft order set and we can, you know, legitimately discuss now instead of just like throwing anything at a wall, because it's, I mean, again, right. it's no fault of our own, but it's just something that's, we haven't been able to, things were halted for so long and they were working mm-hmm. so well in the bubble and, um, so now it'll be interesting to actually see, okay, if the Cavaliers first place or if the Cavaliers pick second, where will they go? If the Cavaliers pick third, what will, who will be available? If the Cavaliers yep. pick first, I mean, if the Cavaliers pick first, then I think we're going to be having the same conversations over and over again about, oh, they could do this. <laughs> they could do that. They could, you know, they could, they could, you know, draft this guy and that guy, Wiseman. I mean, doesn't, so, I mean, I'm, and I'm by the way, look, yeah, I, I think those conversations, if the Cavs do get the first overall pick, I think those conversations will go all the way up until draft night. Oh yeah, easily, easily. I don't think I just, yeah, like because this isn't the draft where there's just one guy. There's there's no yeah. Zion this year. There's no job right. this year. There's. I don't think there's going to be a consensus until maybe the day of the draft. That's pretty scary to think about too, though. In in many ways, it's similar to the Anthony Bennett thing. And that is not something you want to hear if you're a Cavs fan. <laughs> no, but that's that's how the decision went. It went down to that day. Yeah. Victor Oladipo, Ben McLemore, Nerlens Noel. No, we can't go with him because his medicals were horrible. Anthony Bennett, what are we going to do here? I, I think those same conversations are going to happen if the Cavs get the first overall pick between LaMelo, Wiseman, and Anthony Edwards. Absolutely. I agree 100% with that. 
All right, Chris, I don't have much else. If you don't have much else, I mean, anything you uh, you want to give us or anything we missed in terms of what you wanted to hit on this week? No, I think that's it, man. Apparently, yeah. the Cavs should have hung on to Timote Luau Cabarro. Yeah. He continues geez. to make big plays for the Nets as they're trying to make a comeback against the Raptors. Yeah, I, I saw I saw the, his photo, like his like headshot, and it had a Cavs yeah. uniform on it. I was like, what? <laughs> what? Like, when? What? Yeah. Where? When did that yeah. happen? Don't forget the Timote Luau Cabarro, uh, oh the God. era of TLC. That's what everybody called him in the organization. Oh, TLC. that's pretty good. I love that. Yeah. Okay, TLC. That. Oh, well, yeah, that makes sense. Instead of Timote Luau Cabarro, <laughs> a pretty long one. I mean, he's making plays for the Nets. This is a playoff environment, and my man's balling. Former how, first how, round pick. Also, how nice is it to have like. 133, 36, 39, 30 games. Like, I think it's Oh, awesome. I know. I know. The, the fact the that day. the first playoff game started at 130, oh, oh that was so awesome. It's and the fantastic. fact that it's going to go like that um, for a little bit here in these playoffs, that's awesome, too. And the Nets are just not going away. Gotta love that. Well, um, we've had an unfortunate loss during our podcast as well. The Columbus Blue Jackets fell. So it's been fun to watch playoff hockey, too. I'm a, I'm a, I definitely enjoy playoff hockey. I didn't even know that playoff hockey was going on, my man. Oh, well, there you go. (laughs) You don't see any of the, like, the Blue Jackets posts? Come on. You got to have, like, some sort of, like, something there. No, not really. You're just so honed in on basketball, huh? Yes, of course I'm honed in on basketball. All right, all right. I'm honed in on basketball. I'm honed in on baseball. What about pre, what about training camp, baby? (laughs) I'm honed in on golf training camp. Yeah. I know. I know. My guess is that everybody looked good today at Brown's training camp. No, it was it was kind of a disaster offensively because of the rain, I think. Oh, really? Yeah, they just didn't do much. The defense looks good thus far. Wow. Yeah. But we'll see. Again, that will certainly change. You know, I don't – it's – we're so early. It's the first day of pads. I mean, yeah, right. we, got, we got about a month until the season starts, so – I guess we got to just watch out for that. Yep. I do want to say before we leave, though, that if you are listening to the podcast, uh, definitely, definitely sign up for subtext. Uh, Chris will te- text you one, two to three times a day with the inside scoop on the Cavs. Maybe a little bit less now because of the, um, you know, because of the lack of Cavaliers action necessarily. But he certainly will give you the inside scoop and the analysis and everything that you want to hear in regards to the Cavaliers. Um, you'll get big news directly to your phone straight when it happens before Twitter or anywhere else. Um, the only way, to, and it's also the only way to get your questions onto the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. You can try a 14 day free trial and you can cancel anytime. All it takes is one text, $3.99 a month. Uh, but like I said, a 14 day free trial and you can get to get subtext, text 216-208-4499. Or excuse, yes, 4499. Again, 216-208-4499. Or you can go to joinsubtext.com. Slash Cavs Insider, and that way, when the Cavaliers actually do have a draft pick or a draft selection slot, I guess you could say, uh, Chris can give you all the updates and the um, answers to your questions if you text him there. All right. In the meantime, Chris, if you got nothing else, it's been uh, it's been good, and we're going to get back to doing this on Monday. So sounds uh, good, brother. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us, everyone. And uh, when we talk to you next, the NBA lottery will have taken place. Dun dun dun. Stay tuned. Have a good one. Bye bye.